Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes, Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros simulcast on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111-706-0111 on this, um, I guess we'll call it, Astros wake version of footnotes. If the Astros win tonight, um, they still have a chance to win the series. It'll be 2-2. Theoretically, they'll have home field advantage back. I don't know what that does, but at least you're not, you're, not, you're trying to get the Phillies out in Houston as opposed to trying to get them out in Philly, which... You know they're they're starting to look like the twins of from '87 and '91, where they're just very different. It's it's a lot easier to get them out on the road than it is to get them out at home, and so that would matter some. But um, look, I said before this World Series started, I thought at best. The Astros had a 50-50 chance to win this series. And what I said was they had a 40-something percent chance of winning the series. Less, a little less than 50%. And this idea, and it, 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 it's all over. It's national. You know, Michael was talking about it yesterday when we interviewed him. It, 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 it's, it, it's, it's not... It's not sound. It was most of the analysis that I heard was not sound. You have to be able to hit the the idea that do the Astros have deeper pitching than the Phillies? Yes, they do. The Astros have deeper pitching than everybody in baseball. But deep pitching is about 162 games. Deep, the concept of deep pitching has very little to do with a series. Like, think about it. You could go, there are a lot, as great as the Astros pitched this year, and arguably you could say it was the best pitch season in the history of the franchise, and that's saying something. Because especially going back to the Astrodome days, they had some, some great pitching seasons. The there are seven games stretches all over a season or a five game stretch all over a season where you didn't pitch particularly well. I mean, Verlander didn't get lit a lot, but he got lit two or three times really bad. It's not like it was the first time he got lit in the postseason. He got lit two or three times in the regular season, totally lit up. Urquidy got lit up a ton at the beginning of the year and at the end of the year. McCullers had a couple really rocky outings. Garcia got lit several. I mean, in a five to seven game stretch in the middle of 162, people get lit all the time. But over 162, 
that's where your pitching depth pays off because along the way you win three to two and four to two and three to one and two to nothing and two to one. But that don't mean you can hit. You, you got when, when you're playing a team that can hit. And look, I, I think the Phillies lineup is better than any lineup the Astros faced all season. Now, especially in Philly. They can hit. You have to be able to hit. Now, yes, you can't give up. Um, you know, you say, well, you can't give up seven runs. Well, and once upon a time, like game one of the ALDC, ALCS, the, the, uh, didn't the Mariners score seven runs? Who won? You got, they had to score eight in that game. Once upon a time, the Astros played the Dodgers in the World Series. Gave up 12. 12. But they scored 13 and they won. And you, you got to be able to hit. You don't have to hit in seven games to win a seven-game series, but you got to hit. And, and, and even in the game, we said, well, they scored five runs in Houston game one. Yeah. And they didn't score in the fifth inning, and they didn't score in the sixth inning, and they didn't score in the seventh inning, and they didn't score in the eighth inning, and they didn't score in the ninth inning, and they didn't score in the tenth inning. That's not hitting. You got to hit. You know, there are people who are complaining about Dusty leaving in McCullers too long. I'd have left him in longer. Like, once you got lit, like, I mean, they needed to, the best thing the Astros had going, the best thing that could happen to the Astros after they got, after Schwarber's two-run homer. Look, essentially the game ended. The Astros are down 4-0. Fourth inning, maybe, fifth inning. One of those two. They get two on. Altuve comes up. He pops up. The game was basically over at that point. They can't hit. Um, And I was hoping that the Phillies would win 12, 13 to nothing. That would have escalated the Astros' chances of winning today dramatically. But the Phillies are on such a roll right now at home that and things are going their way so much that they didn't score again because it, you, know, you don't want to score again. You know, once you get up 7 nothing against a team that can't hit, then you don't want to score again. And so, I mean, it was – the Astros were so bad yesterday that they weren't bad enough. Like, if they would have been even worse, it would have been better for them. That's just kind of how things are going. But – um. Urquidy pitched well. The whole Urquidy thing is fascinating because, again, he he did not have a good season. Now, he had a good middle of the season. He started out awful. Then he got on a really nice run in the middle of the season, and he finished awful. So they didn't have confidence in him, so they haven't pitched him. Well, Urquidy's got more World Series wins than any of them. (laughs) No staff. He probably has more World Series win than any pitcher on either staff um, under his belt. And so, you know, Dusty didn't really 
I mean, obviously, you know, the pitching coach, Josh Miller and Dusty, they just they lost confidence in him because he he was constantly getting lit down the stretch after getting lit really bad early on. So for you know, he was kind of the odd one of the odd men out. Um, they ha- historically, and I don't quite understand it. Historically, he doesn't handle relief pitching as well as Garcia. With Garcia's mechanics and the way Arquiti throws, it really doesn't make any sense to me, because Garcia's got the most complicated mechanics of any pitcher ever that I've ever seen, and Arquiti's got one of the seemingly one of the simplest mechanics of any pitcher. He just catches it and throws. You would think that he would be more apt to being able to just come in in relief than Garcia would. But for whatever reason, that has not been the case. And uh, so, you know, he did fine last night, kind of mopping things up. I was kind of hoping he'd get lit. But maybe he got some confidence. And maybe they got some confidence in him. Um, And if they ever score any runs, which who knows? I mean, again, they, they haven't scored... They haven't had a really good offensive game since game one of the ALDS. Like, a really good one. And and, and scoring a couple runs is nice, and then not scoring, that, that's not a good, really good offensive game. No. It's nice if you pitch great, and many times over 162, that's going to happen. But over seven, that, that doesn't cut the mustard. Again, it doesn't make you... Like the worst team ever, it just means you're not going to win that way. It's just, you got to score runs. You, 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 the, the idea, and, and, and this idea that the Phillies are going to run out of pitching, people need to get that out of their mind. That's not going to happen. They're not going to run out of pitching. They, they don't have enough pitching for 162, but they got plenty for seven. I, I, I don't understand why people struggle with that. And again, all season long, we've talked about it. Raymond gets it. He was a Braves fan. My biggest fear right now for the Ash, they're turning into the Braves of the 90s. Over 162, they're really, really good. Because they have deep pitching. And that matters. That's how you win over 162. But that's not how you win over five or over seven. You got to hit. You got to hit over five or seven. And this team just cannot hit. They can't. They just, they're, it's not, a, it has not been a good hitting team all season. Now they've had flashes. Every team has flashes. And I'm not saying they don't have any good hitters because they have a few good hitters. And some of them have had pretty good years. But overall, as a, as a, as a lineup, it's not a good hitting team. They they're just they play way too many games where they score less you know fewer than four or five runs, and and you know they're gonna have I'm not saying they're incapable of having a good offensive game they've had some, but they're gonna have to score runs. You know I, I was telling people before this series or before they went to Philly for sure, that they, they scored five runs in the first two games. If they if they average five runs a game in Philly, of course, I wasn't thinking they were going to score zero in one of them. 
in the first one. But but I said I said if you average five runs a game in the first three in the three games in Philly, the best you're gonna do is one and two. That's the that was my ex, that was the best I thought you would do if you only average five runs a game. You gotta score runs. You gotta hit. They just they can't hit. They just can't. And they have they've been an okay offensive team. But they were middle of the pack in runs scored almost all season. Now, they had a pretty hot September, which looking back might have been bad to do. They, you know, I thought they were, they hit better in September than, than I thought that they would and than I expected them to do. And it was fun in the moment, but they might be biting them now. But, um, no, it, to, to, this idea that the Astros had any better of a 50 50 shot in this matchup was just a football mentality. It, it, it wasn't understanding the matchup, in my opinion. Just wasn't understanding the matchup. The Phillies were set up better to win this series because they can hit. <laughs> you got to be able to hit. And the Astros are just, they hit okay. They just pitch great over the long haul. And that's why they won so many games. But that doesn't help you in a short series. Just does not help you. And this is just misery. Misery. Because I hate it when everybody oh, you're going to win. Oh, you're way better than them. Yeah, they're way better. And what does that mean? Yeah, they are. But what does that matter? <laughs> this ain't a marathon anymore. The marathon ended. The game that... Raymond and I and Blaine and Ben went to. At the end of the regular season, the marathon's over. You got to take all that marathon thinking and all that marathon analysis and throw it in the river, as our old friend Saint would say. You got to throw all that in the river. It means nothing, nothing. I'd say that and people say, oh, yeah, no, 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 no. They think it means something. No, no, it doesn't mean anything. Marathons and sprints are different animals. I'm not a track and field guy, but the cross country runner and the one in the hundred the hundred meter sprinter, that's two totally different animals. You, you, the, the sprint and the marathon are different, and people just don't understand it. It's a football mentality. That's what they have. You can't analyze baseball like it's football. It's just different. And it, it, it you know. It just drives me crazy. One of the, and I've said this before, one of the cruelest things someone can do to a psycho sports fan like me is tell me you're going to win, you're going to win, you're going to win, you're going to win, you're going to win. When, when there's not a lot of logic behind it, but you're going to win, don't worry, you're going to win, oh, we better, you're going to win, you're going to win, and then you lose, and that person doesn't care, and I'm in pain. Think about it. That's what happens. They don't care. It's no sweat off their brow. And I, and I and I kept hearing all this, and I'm like, it doesn't make sense what you're telling me. Doesn't make any sense. But boy, I hope you're right. Doesn't make any sense to me. I'm not seeing what you're telling me. Doesn't add up. But I hope you're right. I knew they weren't right. Now again, it's not a hundred percent over. But this idea that they had this big advantage over the Phillies—that was just. What are they, what's that old word they used to use? Poppycock. 
It was silly analysis. It was faulty. You have to be able to hit to have the advantage over the other team. Hit. And they just can't hit. They just can't. All right, we'll take a timeout. We come back, we'll shift gears and talk LSU, Alabama with Cokie Riley. I need to change the the uh, subject anyway. It'd be better from our heart. We'll be back on the game. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Before we get to Koki, I want to remind you, if you want to be one of the first people to get on the guest list for a private viewing of the new movie, Black Panda, Wakanda Forever, Celebrity Theaters, and Broussard on November the 10th, this is what you need to do. Text PANTHER to 337-283-8100. Text PANTHER to 283-8100. This great offer is brought to you by Celebrity Theaters, Sherman Insurance, and The Game. All right. We have with us Cokie Riley, and while many of us are focusing on heavily on the World Series with me through complete frustration and anxiety, uh, <laughs> a lot of other people in, in this area are focusing on the Saturday game between Alabama and LSU, including Koki. How are you, sir? Doing really well. Thanks for having me on again, Kevin. All right. So, you know, made the comment last week, you know, I, I think a lot of people at the beginning of the season, as you looked at LSU's schedule, when they got to Alabama, they just automatically put L. I think about two weeks ago, I started thinking, you know, this is not an automatic L like a lot of people thought at the beginning. And do you really feel that way now that we're on game week? Yes. Um, I think the word automatic, I don't think you can use that um, for this LSU team. I'm not saying that just because the college ball playoff surprisingly put them in the top ten of their rankings. Not saying that because of a couple games. I, 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 I mean, I, I am kind of saying it because of a couple games. Um, but I, I feel like this is a good football team, and they're going to be at home in a hostile, in a hopefully hostile, hostile environment, depending on what the weather looks like um, on Saturday night. And that's not going to be easy for a team like Alabama that, let's be honest, hasn't had the greatest season under. Um, uh, under Nick Saban, right? I mean, they lost to Tennessee, this team. They almost lost Texas A&M. They probably should have lost Texas more for uh, Quinn Ewers' injury. So I don't think Alabama is fully invincible. And with this LSU team, again, they're at home and they're playing really good football, and they have a lot of very talented football players that could theoretically start on Alabama. So I, I, I think this can definitely be a good game, and I think LSU can cover um, I'm not going to pick them to win as a spoiler alert. I'm not going to pick them to win, but I I wouldn't be sh- I wouldn't be stunned if they somehow pulled this off. All right. So obviously Tennessee showed that Alabama's defense is not elite at times. So my question, and this is a hard one to answer, probably does can can LSU do in the passing game 
what Tennessee can do in the passing game to exploit Alabama's secondary? Ooh, probably not to the degree of 52 points. I feel like that's just kind of a little unreasonable. Um, I I, I think that, yes, like Alabama did did have, have a lot of trouble against that Tennessee offense. And I think a lot of that has to do with scheme. I think a lot of that has to do with how well how well coached that Alabama team, that that Tennessee team is offensively, just given the way that they can expose space and, and just win consistently, win one-on-one matchups. Um, I think Tennessee's receiving core is arguably even better than LSU's, and the fact that they can um, use th- those receivers are just so big and such good ball winners while also being pretty good athletes, and the way they can just manipulate space like that, it's, it's just so. It's just incredibly impressive, especially after seeing it in person. Um, but heck, I, I mean, I, I I do think this LSU uh, passing attack can get something um, against this Alabama team. I, I I think this Alabama secondary has looked a little bit better with Eli Ricks. It it, it is a starter now. Um, after he really didn't start for that, he didn't really play that much for the first six seven weeks. Um, but recently, he's sort of slot he slid into that other cornerback spot next to the Kool-Aid McKinstry and it worked against Mississippi State so uh that's going to be something to monitor so Alabama's a little bit different in the secondary and I think this LSU passing attack a lot better than it has been um especially in these in the last two two weeks uh since the bye but uh, but, but, yeah, I, I think they can get something in this game, but I wouldn't expect a Tennessee-esque performance. But can't, how much of that gap that you're, you know, which, which you're saying makes sense, but how much of that gap can be made up by Jaden Daniels' special running ability? And historically, running quarterbacks have given Alabama trouble. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that's, that's going to be a very fascinating matchup, right? Like, who on Alabama is going to be – is going to be this quote unquote spy on Jane Daniels. Um, I, my guess, maybe it's Henry Toto. I'm not a hundred percent sure who it's going to be exactly. Uh, but I, I think really this game comes down to, um, and, and this is going to affect really every aspect of the game for LSU's offense is can LSU's young tackles, I wouldn't say hold up, but, even somewhat hold up, you know, aren't embarrassed. I, I, I'm trying to find a way to describe it. Um, as long as they don't get absolutely exposed by by Alabama's pass rushers, that's going to be kind of the that's going to be kind of the uh, the key aspect of this game for me. Because if 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 the, if the young tackles can somewhat hold up against the likes of Dallas Turner and and Will Anderson, then I think this LSU offense can get some yards and get some points because. They're incredibly talented, incredibly talented and deep receiving core. I think the word "deep" is very important um, when it comes to, to LSU's receiving core in, in this matchup, and and the fact that you have a running quarterback like Jaden Daniels who can who can make plays with his legs. And I don't think Alabama's seen a quarterback quite as mobile and explosive uh, as Daniels is as a runner uh, this season. So, uh, yeah, I mean. All, all the other aspects of LSU's attack can only be unlocked unless the tackles play somewhat okay. Um, it, they're going to be beat. Right. And it's just unreasonable to say that they're not. But um, I, 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 I think that's going to be the match of the game, to be honest. But, but, but Daniel's running ability, 
takes off a little bit of that aggressiveness at times, I would think, from a defensive strategy because you can't just pin your ears back and come with a quarterback that runs like him. Now, speaking of running, it, I mean, I, it's going to be hard at times, I guess, for an LSU's, you know, and play calling to not totally abandon the run. Is the is the running game going to be able to play any factor? I'm talking about running backs running the football against in this matchup. I think if Garrett Dellinger plays and he is healthy in this game and maybe they can even uh, rotate in Anthony Bradford once in a while at one of the guard spots um, and sort of stay fresh there, I think a lot of it's going to come down to Charles Turner at center. Like how this team's going to be able to run the ball, especially in the interior, it's going to come down to their offensive linemen and can they hold up against Alabama's monsters up front because this is a much, much different matchup than running the ball against Ole Miss. You know, plays like boxes that doesn't have the same athletes that Alabama has, um, just a ton of different reasons. I, I, I think you look at the Florida game as potential as as potentially you know a, a good sign for LSU's running back. LSU ran the ball pretty well against Florida, um, and that that's a team that has a pretty pretty strong front seven with some really some, with some very very good athletes. Um, it, that was arguably even as if not more impressive than the Ole Miss rush, rushing game for them. Uh, so I, I think that it's going to be really tough for them to run the ball, especially in between the tackles in a game like this. Um, and, and it's not like the Alabama's end rushers are terrible, terrible run defenders either. So running in the outside is going to be hard in a game like this. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think Daniels is definitely going to be a key factor in the running game as we've already discussed. Um, but you're right. It's going to be tough sledding for this running game. Uh, but I, I, I don't think it would be totally wise to abandon it because you need you need to find ways to throw off the timing of uh, the guys like some Will Anderson, Dallas Turner, and to stop them from pinning their ears back. Running the ball is one of one solution to doing that. The other thing in this matchup that maybe some people might missing is: Do you feel like LSU secondary? has improved to the point where it's legit against a really good passing attack to where they won't have to score 50 points to win. Yeah. Um, I, I think what helps them here in this matchup for LSU secondary is that Alabama, they're, Alabama's receiving core isn't amazing. Um, they have talent, obviously, and former five-star recruits, but they don't have anyone in that receiving core that you sort of – highlight in a big or big yellow you know big yellow highlighter and you're like we need to stop this guy or we need to stop that guy they don't have a, this team doesn't have a case on booty they might not even have a, a malik neighbors they certainly don't have a jalen hyatt on this team so i think that's going to help them um i think getting back major burns is going to help them a lot he, he was probably the best communicator before he uh before he, before his neck injury and he's Sounds like he's going to be back to this game, which is uh, really good news for LSU secondary. So um, I think not having to rely on Joe Fusha as a as a cover safety quite as much is going to help them a bit. But yeah, I, I feel like either way, you're going to give up some yards and you're going to give up some points to Bryce Young. He's just too good of a quarterback, and I they they're just going to have to concede that a, a, a bit, but. I don't know. I think when it comes to one-on-one matchups, I don't think this LSU secondary is going to be overwhelmed that much just because there there isn't – Alabama is probably one of their weakest receiving cores in recent recent memory. So 
I think that's going to help them. All right. Um, so what would you – is it the offensive line like you were talking, or what? what is your biggest concern? Like if things don't go well, your best guess in pregame is they're not going to go well because of what? I think it's the offensive line. Um, I, I just have trouble believing that two freshmen, Will Campbell and Emory Jones, could could hang in there, whatever, play well, whatever word you want to or whatever phrase you want to use against literally the best edge pass rush in arguably all college football. That it just it that it's just a it's just a big leap. It's just kind of a big leap of faith for me. Um, and that has nothing to do with those two kids, right? Because they're it's just that they're freshmen and even even a guy like Emory Jones has been beaten a, a fair amount of times. Like, but can they do this against literally the best of the best? Like that that just it just seems like a lot. And and it, they're already going to have to change the game. LSU is they're already going to have to change their game plan a decent bit because of this issue. Um, they're going to have to max protect at times. They're going to have to use tight ends and running backs in the, in the passing pass block game, which they've done a little bit. Which are, they've done a decent bit already. But that's going to have to increase in this game. They're going to have to move the pocket. Daniels going to have to get the ball out even quicker in a game like this, and that's going to hurt them from pushing the ball down the field more. Like there's a cascading effect to this that's already going to happen from the first snap, but it, it could even increase more as the game goes along, and that's not even including you know sacks and, and negative plays because I mean Will Anderson is probably. He may not be the number one overall pick in the draft because he's not a quarterback, but he is going to be the best player in the draft. I, I would be surprised if there's another like defensive position player who gets picked ahead of him unless he gets hurt or something. Um, that's how good he is. And it, it's just to tell Will Campbell and Emory Jones, go block that guy, is it, that, that's just a lot for me. And I, I feel like that's the biggest issue for LSU in this game. Because you look everywhere else, I think you could make a reasonable case that LSU could hang could hang in there or even win him win that matchup. So All right, um, all right. That's well, the thing I'm watching. All right. For one sure. more one more quick question. What is if LSU pulls off this upset, what's the ceiling for this football team this year? I think they can make the college football playoff. Um I think if you asked me a couple of days ago, I think you if you asked me, you know, five o'clock yesterday, I would have said no. But after the, the, the committee put them at number ten as a two despite being a two loss team I, I think there's a path there. They have to win out, and I, it would preferably they have to beat a team like Tennessee in the SEC championship game. But it, it is possible now because the committee sees this LSU team as, you know what, LSU, if you win out, even though you have two losses, you can get in because of that really good Ole Miss win because you're playing the SEC um, because one of your two losses is to the number one team in the country. And I, I feel like – it wasn't possible just you know mere hours ago, but now I, I think that is possible, and which is an absolutely crazy thing. I'm saying. I mean, imagine if I told you this after the Tennessee game that yeah, you know, three weeks from now we'd be talking about you know winning out to make the playoff. But you know, I, I, again, that's very very doubtful. I, I would I would be I'd still be very very surprised if they actually did that. But the fact that it's a possibility this late in the season is a testament to how well this team has played the last few weeks. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate your time as always, sir. Enjoy the game. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you very much, Koki Riley of the USA Today Network. We'll take a timeout. Come back with more on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers, Houston Astros. 
Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Casper the Quitter. Casper the Quitter. Now, the former New Orleans Saints longtime head coach who quit on the team after a tough season. Also known as Sean Payton. Now back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. All right, folks, people have been asking me and Raymond and all different people, family members, business associates and colleagues, and are they going to do Facebook Live? Well, like I said, I don't know if I have the emotional dexterity to do it, but we're going to try to do it anyway. And the plan, not tonight, tomorrow, game five, we know there's going to be a game five, even if the Astros get beat 152 to nothing tonight. And if they would, I hope they do. If they're going to lose, I hope they do get beat 152 to nothing because then we might actually win a game five. Um, but the plan is through the games, Facebook and Twitch accounts, Thursday's game five, we will be doing a Facebook live. For Game 5 of the World Series, hopefully the Astros can win tonight and make it 2-2, and then that would be a really critical Game 5, or it could be funeral time for the Astros and for me, and then the old movie line, and then depression set in will come. So anything could happen. We could be... A fat guy like me with no rhythm could be trying to dance. We could go from that all the way to just total grief and just, you know, just totally grief-stricken. I mean, all kind of range of emotions could happen in on this Facebook Live. It all depends on what's going to happen tonight and or tomorrow. So, but, so tune in on the game's Facebook page and Twitch accounts. And if you're like me, just ask someone who knows about technology. They'll tell you about this Twitch account because I had to ask Hannah. You know, I don't know about all that stuff. Um, I just know how to talk sports. I don't know anything about technology. And so Hannah and Raymond and James and, you know, everyone else behind the scenes will handle that part. He's got to show up for all anger and everything. I'm just so I just I just hope somehow they win tonight. Man, I, need you to win need tonight. the win tonight. Oh, I need to win. Tonight. If you don't win, I feel like I'm calling in a guest host uh, for tomorrow, aren't I? Yeah, it's gonna be bad. <laughs> but again, Facebook Live Thursday on the game's Facebook and Twitch accounts. I never knew. I never thought I'd say that. I didn't even know what it was. But it's a thing. She showed me. It's real. Seven o'clock tomorrow. <sighs> Let's hope they win tonight. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Hey, so uh, so last night when Bryce, I mean, number one, does Bryce Harper hit any ball that, that barely goes over the fence? I mean, come on, dude. Everything he hits is like a no-doubter. 
I don't, I don't get it. I don't know if he's got a bad From what I've seen. But, again, I don't watch that much Phillies baseball. But from the highlights I've seen, yes, you're correct. Man, it's crazy. So, he, he, he hit the home run. He called the guy on, on deck to come talk to him, and, and he told him something. Maybe Manny might know what he told him, but, you know, Manny's like one of the greatest callers of all time. He knows everything, according to me. I love Manny. But what do you think he told that guy on deck? I mean, well, I think I, I mean it seems like it's been pretty established, and even Smoltz saw it something last night that he was tipping his pitches bad, and I think he was telling him what he was tipping. Gotcha. Yeah, I, gotcha. I was always curious about that. Like maybe the grippy, the grippy showing, you know, before he throws a ball. I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I could I could hit a softball, but the the, the hardball stuff, I won't. Uh-huh. I understand. One more thing before I go, the uh, I, I I I'm not liking the the Claypool to Chicago. Why why are we giving up so much in the middle of the season? Because the NFC's wide open, and even though you've had wow. some really bad games, you've also had some really good games, and you can you can do it. I don't. Know. We still got a lot of pieces. I mean, we run the ball, but man, I don't. Know. It's nice to I run the ball. See, man. But is Coach Danny going to be with you on uh, on Thursday? We'll see. Danny, uh, uh, Danny, I saw him this morning, uh, so he might be able to do it. He, he had some uh, – he had a surgery, so I, he's still oh, recuperating man. some. So I don't know uh, if he's really up to it, but we'll see. All right. Tell him my uh, best wishes, folks. All right. Good luck, brother. Thank you. Oh, man, we need we need luck. Talent. Any, 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 by any means, by any means necessary. Literally. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Kevin. Yes, sir. Hey. I'm not doing well, as you might imagine. Kevin, listen, uh, I bet if they checked last night, maybe somebody was filming you last night when. Those home runs were flying out of Phillies Park. I bet you were twitching last night. You didn't even know you were twitching. Well, I was uh, doing some twitching, but, I I mean, basically in those moments, what what I'm like, what I do in those moments basically is crawl into a hole and just wish I could hibernate for about six months. You know, I I get real small and quiet in those moments. You know, just – Watching the white, you know, just the game. It's just my wife and I, and I, you know. So I'm like, come on, man, come. After they got to be six nut, five, six nut, whatever it was, I, I said, you know, when when Arkady was pitching, had those guys on second, I'm like, come on, Phillies, get a hit. Yes. She's like, what are you talking about? I said, no, we got the, what the Phillies to score 15. Yes. And why? I said, because you know, baseball guys, you score, you can't score all those runs one day and come back the next day and score six or eight again. Won't happen, I said. And no one actually to score any. We want to be at this point. We want to be shut out. Yeah, you want to be thirteen nothing. Yes. I don't know what you're talking about. I said, no, you don't. But <laughs> just trust me. Trust me. <laughs> you don't want. You, you, we want zero. We want them to score as many as possible at this point. Yes. Because it's useless. Useless. Okay, Kevin. What about the tipping pitches? Now I know. You know. Uh, I, 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 you know, I've seen, I've, you know, I've been involved with baseball a lot. We used to steal signals and all that. I know all this cheating, which went on at every level in high school. We used to steal signals. 
when I played and when I coached, I mean, I had a guy that coached with me that was an assistant coach that was top notch at stealing signals. And I mean, it, it, it get, you know, helped us a lot, improved our team. I mean, the whole nine yards. Uh, never was, you know, that good. I don't know if I was ever, we were ever good enough to steal, you know, to tip for pitches, you know. But I mean, from what I gathered, it was where his glove was. Uh, did you hear? Or did you see any of that? Well, I, I, I've seen. I, I got a. I got one of those Twitter account uh, tweets today, and yeah, they were right, showing right. video of it. But I, 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 I don't really know what I'm looking at yet to really be able to analyze like what really he was yeah, well, doing. But yes, according to Pedro, according to Pedro, it was the it was where the glove was. You know, height of the glove on the curveball and the and the. the, the Whatever else he throws, you know, the cutter or the, you know, whatever. Uh, it was the height of the gun, and according to them, they think the Phillies picked a hitting coach, picked that up, you know, when he was warming up and all this stuff. So, I mean, listen, to those guys, the guys that are that good, that's a big deal, you know. I mean, uh, and, you, you know, I'm sure you saw uh, uh, the left-handed hitter, the DH, a home run hitter, called bomb back to the yeah. to the dugout and talked to him. So, you know, uh, I just was wondering, you know, what you take. Was. And you know, and, it, mean, it, well, it is what it is. I mean, again, that's baseball stealing signs. You know, they yeah, they, they tried to make when the Astros did that to you, Darvish, in Game Seven of the 2017 World Series. They tried to make it look underhanded and slimy and all oh, look yeah, out yeah, but I mean it's ba- like they, people they don't still, understand baseball like still talking about that people about, I mean it's just so stupid and all that it's baseball it's been going on since the 19th century right since time began <laughs> it, it's just it, it, it's just that you know now everybody like it, it, everybody's the moral police. The idea that the idea that people think you're not the, the goal is to avoid cheating in baseball is just it, it's stupid. I mean, again, yeah. the equivalent of it is uh, I jump off sides and the official don't catch it. Well, um, I, Mr. Ralph, I jumped off sides. You should have called it on me. That, that, that that's not real. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Anyway, Kevin, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, what you think about the pitching tonight, man? You, you know, my my brother tell me they got to start burning, and I'm like, uh, no, no, no. A- anyway, no. I got to get to a break, but listen, I'm gonna give my thoughts on the pitching right on the okay. other side of this break. Good deal. All right, all right, Kevin. Talk to you later. We'll take it, and I'll do that after this timeout on the game. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. To answer Manny's question, the pitching matchup, um, I don't know if the Astros are going to score, how many runs they're going to score. They're not a good hitting team. Um, they got a lot of guys in massive slumps right now. Um, but they did score zero runs last night. That helps. Nola hasn't exactly been great. He's gotten lit twice in the postseason. So maybe there's something that could be happening there. Um, as far as the Astros, you know, suppo- what tipping pitches or not, the kind of pitcher that Lance McCullers is, is the kind of pitchers that the 
Phillies have been feasting on more than the kind of pitcher Javier is. Supposedly, the high fastball is the way to get him out. Um, and Christian Javier is as good a high fastball pitcher as there is, even though he doesn't throw overly hard, which I, I got to tell you, I've seen it since he's been up. I've heard him talk about it since he's been up. I don't quite get it. But something that he does with his fastball, even though it doesn't have great velocity, works, has been very effective throughout his career, minor leagues, in every step of the minor leagues, up to the major leagues. Even though he he often is just throwing 92-93, the way he throws his fastball, which, again, that's a little too technical for me to, uh, to really be able to explain to you, He's more effective than a lot of guys who throw up in the zone at 96, 97, 98. I can't explain that. But I've seen it. I've seen him tell me about it over the years. I've seen it happen. But I can't really explain why his fastball at 92 or 93 is is more effective than a lot of pitchers who throw the pitch in the same spot, it seems like, and they're throwing 97, 98. I can't explain it. But I'll take it. I mean, I, I'll I'll take it. I but he, uh, you know, the the sad thing is, the Astros relief pitchers. I'm not talking about guys in relief, but their relief pitchers have not given up a run in this series. It would be kind of pitiful if they go the entire series and their relief pitchers not give up any runs and they lose the series. But that's what's a, that could be what's about to happen. Another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home. For the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros, simulcast on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline, 706-0111, On this Astros wake aversion of footnotes. And I say wake because the funeral's not here yet. If the Astros win tonight, um... Then, you know, the series is even. It will definitely go back to Houston at that point. We've been comparing this team to the 2017 team a lot this season. That's exact. Now, it didn't go exactly like that because in 2017, they won their first two games and then they lost three. Um, they won those first two games against the Yankees and went like two to one and three to two. They, you know, they just kept, they banged on so many barrels. They got all the way up to Trash cans, they got all the way up to two runs, I think, in one of those games. Had nothing to do with the pitching and defense. It was all about scoring those two or three runs. Um, but they um, but they had to win game six and seven at home to win. No, 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 no. No, I'm thinking the ALC. I'm wrong. Uh, that's wrong. See, I'm uh, that was the 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 uh, the the AL. That was the ALCS that year, not the World Series. Actually, in the World Series, 
they won game seven uh, in um in at Dodger Stadium. But in the ALCS, that's what happened. They had to win game six and game seven to get to the World Series, and they were able to do that. That's what I was thinking about. But we'll see. I, by the way, that game tonight, game four, can be heard right here. Uh, Astro launch at 630. First pitch set for 703. And you can hear all the action right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. And if you did not hear last hour, game five. Now, not tonight. Game five tomorrow night. We've gotten a lot of requests and we've talked about it. And uh, the plan is we're going to make it happen tomorrow night. Game five of the World Series. Hopefully it'll be two and two, but we'll see. Uh, we will be doing uh, Facebook Live. And our friend Blaine, who's a big Astro fan, who you hear weekly doing Karen Crow Bears baseball, I mean baseball, football on Z1059. And I've gotten some confirmation from Danny that, that he's in as well. And Danny's been doing Facebook Lives with us for years. So, uh, we will be doing Facebook Live on the game's Facebook and Twitch account. So you can, if you're interested in that, you can hopefully watch a celebration. Could be a funeral. Again, a wide range of emotions, all kind of options here over the next two days, and we'll see what happens. So if you would like to talk about the World Series and last night's very depressing contest, certainly feel free to give us uh, a call on the hotline, 706-0111, 706-0111. If you would like to comment on Cokie Riley's analysis of the LSU-Alabama game, do you buy it? Do you not buy it? You know, it, it's amazing. The angst, and I get it, after the Florida State loss, the angst after the Tennessee loss, and where LSU potentially could be Sunday morning if they win Saturday. Now, one thing that I did not get to with Koki, we kind of ran out of time, and Koki hasn't been around probably enough to know, but I was just wondering if he had heard, like if anyone's ever really come up with a good theory as to why LSU over the years historically has played Alabama better in Tuscaloosa than they have in in Lafayette, in Baton Rouge. I don't know. I, I, I don't know that I've heard a good theory as to why that is, but there's a lot of reasons to believe that. I mean, I mean it's, there's a lot of empirical proof that it, it has been that way over the years. They've had a lot of agonizing losses at home. Um. And for years and years and years, they could never beat them at home. So you got a you got a theory? Is that what I'm seeing here? No, actually, I have some news. So I mean, Tilly, it's not that big of news, I guess. But in Ashburn, in Ashburn, 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 Virginia, November second, 2022, Dan and Tanya Schneider in the Washington Commanders announced today that they have hired a B of A securities to consider potential transactions. They're selling the Washington Commanders. They're selling the Commanders. Yep. So Raymond is about to celebrate. He is. He should just be celebrating right now. Does he know? Not yet. He's in a meeting right now. Wow. Now, there's no way they did that on their own. Like, they got forced to do this. You like, think? Oh, they had to. 
Like, there's no way they would just do it on voluntarily. Unless he's just really tired of fighting and he realizes it's a it's a fight he can't win. But but even then, I, I, I think they've just they've gotten too much pressure. But no, that's well, I don't know that that's good for me because the commanders are in the NFC and I want them to continue to crash and burn because they're in the NFC. But right. but uh but it's good for the commanders yeah, and their the fans. Money. Because that Ooh. guy's been a nightmare. They've been bad for a long, long time. Question is, who's going to buy him? Who would want to buy him? Well, it's an NFL team. There'll be someone that wants to. And, and again, it's a. They got a brand, even though they changed their their mascot and all. You know, they've had. It's a popular. It was a popular, very popular franchise for decades. So I, I think there's there's a lot. You know, I, I don't think they'll have a problem there, as far as who it's going to be. I, I don't know, but that's interesting. Very interesting news. All right, speaking of football, and by the way, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. Speaking of football, who's going to play running back for the Saints? Like, since last March, when when I first heard the idea, well, you know, we don't think Latavius Murray's very good anymore. We really don't like downhill runners. Oh, okay. We don't like downhill runners. We uh, he, he was pretty good the year before. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Latavius Murray's not good. This was um, about March, April, twenty twenty one. Y'all started feeding me this garbage. He's not good. We want Tony Jones. That's who we want. Tony Jones. Got to get rid of Murray. Don't want that downhill runner. Uh, he's not good. So, okay, he's not good. So, we want Tony Jones. Well, they went through last season, and again, they they had so many injuries, and, and, and last year was such a disaster. It's hard to just focus on the running back situation. But let me just tell you, it wasn't very good. Well, this year... You know, I don't really see Tony Jones affecting the team very much. Um, and they had some fat guy who screams on the radio all summer who kept saying, Superman's going to be hurt. It's not if he's going to be hurt. It's when he's going to be hurt. So who is going to be not your backup, you're 1A running back. Again, th- th- there is no – your backup is a starter because there are plenty There are plenty of plays where Z28's on the sideline. There are plenty of plays when he lines up in, in the slot. Like, your backup running back in a 1-2 punch is essentially a starter. Like, he, he plays critical downs. Critical. He's, he's – Just as important to the running game as the starter. Now, the starter does more in the passing game and overall, but he's a very important part of the running game. Who in the world is going to play running back for the Saints on Monday? And if the answer is Dwayne Washington, you have got to be kidding. That guy is not a running back. Now, you can give him the ball, and he can get two or three yards here or there, and hopefully he doesn't fumble, but that guy's not a running back. 
You have got to be kidding. Who is going to play running back? And this ain't a, oh, no, 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 no. This ain't a just, just came up. No, this has been a case for 15, 16 months I've been asking this question. Who is going to play running back for the Saints? We didn't like Latavius Murray. But then he goes to Broncos and everybody's, oh, the Saints are a bunch of idiots. Well, where were y'all 15 months ago? Who is going to play running back for the Saints? That's what I want to know. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. The answer to that question is Alvin Kamara. But, Foot, with the way running backs are getting hurt nowadays, if they try to run him every down, he's going to get hurt. But, no, you can't do that. Even if he doesn't, you got to have more than one running back. I agree. I mean, and the way they were giving running backs away yesterday, I sure thought y'all were going to get one because for the, for the Dolphins to pick up Jeff Wilson Jr. for a fifth or sixth round pick, I mean, why why couldn't the Saints do that? I I I just I I I just I just don't get it. I just again, they're not stupid people. They obviously have a plan, but what is that plan? Like somebody is, else has got to be able to run the ball. Now I un, it is true. To be fair, it is true that unlike a lot of teams, they have another guy that runs the ball called Batman. Even though he's not a running back, he does run the ball a lot. So I guess that's why they feel like they can get away with it. But, man, I, it's just, I don't like this at all. Yeah, I, I thought I thought sure they were going to pick up somebody. Oh. I mean, so, Foot, you like the – I know that's not your team and everything, but uh, you're the only one I can talk to. You like the Dolphins picking up uh, Bradley Chubb? Well, again, it it's a trade that – the Broncos had to make because it's, you know, all indications were they weren't going to sign him in the offseason, and they got a first, a fourth, and a running back for it. I mean, they had to do that. So it was a great trade for the Broncos, but for the Dolphins, I think it's a good trade because they are a good team when their quarterback's healthy and everybody's reasonably healthy, and one of the things that they need is a pass rusher. So when you've won big as few as few times as you have and you have an opportunity, you got to seize the moment. you got to go for it. So I think it's a good trade both ways. Yeah, and, 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 and yeah, they gave up a first-round pick, but the way the Niners are playing right now is, a, is the Niners pick, so the way the 49ers are playing is going to be a – late first-round pick, which is still a first-round pick. Yeah, but when you're the Broncos and you gave up all what you gave up for for Russell Wilson, you got to try to recoup some. I mean, it it was a sound football decision by the Broncos. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I sure hope uh, because you're going to be the first one to say, I told you so, if if somehow they try to run Kamara too much and he gets hurt because the way running backs are falling right now, I sure hope they don't overuse Kamara and, uh, and get him hurt. Now, foot. They, they want to make a Z. They they they've been trying to make Z twenty eight a bulldozer since last off season, and and they're about to succeed. It's a good it's a good move. Let's put Z twenty eight. Let's turn him into a bulldozer. Yeah. Well, foot. And, and as far as for the game, all you got to baseball. All you got to do is relax. Foot. You win one of the next two. That's all. That's what you plan on doing. One of the next two, 
and you got home field advantage again, and that's all you can ask for. You okay? Just just relax. But we gotta out hit him one of the two games. How are we gonna do that? We can't hit. Well, I think the rain delay definitely helped Philadelphia, as you see Nola pitching tonight, which Nola wouldn't have been able to pitch tonight if the rain delay is not there. So I think the rain delay helped Philadelphia, but but you'll be all right. You got Javier tonight, and then you got Verlander tomorrow, so you'll be all right. Hmm. Verlander's due to pitch a good game in the playoffs. Hmm. I don't believe that, but I hope you're right. Win one of the next two, Foot, you'll be okay. All right, talk to you later. All right. You know know what really the bad thing is from an Astro fan, from my perspective, before we get back to the Saints question? You know, here's what could happen that I'm a little – I understand why it could happen and how it could happen – and I'm not going to go off. And, you know, everybody's already attacked in Dusty. That's so stupid. But I'm not going to go off on Dusty. I'm just saying I don't like it. What this, is what this is what could happen. Understand that the best pitcher for the Houston Astros is Framber Valdez. Hands down, it's not even close. The best pitcher for the Houston Astros is Framber Valdez. And if... Troy is wrong, and the Astros don't win one of the next two games, Framber Valdez will have one outing and not two in the World Series. That's sad. That's not good. That's pas bon. All right. I asked a question, and sometimes you ask a rhetorical question and you don't want an answer, but I asked a, re- a question that was, I don't know, maybe a, a hint of of being rhetorical, but really I'm, I'm great with having an answer because uh, I was worried that the answer was going to, I was joking with Luke yesterday that the answer is going to have to be Luke Johnson. He said he could do it. I said, just don't fumble. But um, that the answer to the question could be Jordan Howard because you remember they did, you know, bring in Jordan Howard a couple of weeks ago and I'm not ecstatic about Jordan Howard, but he's an NFL running back theoretically. He could be an NFL running back theoretically. So I guess the answer could be Jordan Howard. It's a great name. You know, I don't know what he's got left. Used to play for the, what, the Eagles and the the Bears. I guess that could be the answer. As long as it's not Luke, I guess we'll be, I don't know. All they need him to do is carry it like six times and get me 20 yards. Can he get six carries, 20 yards? Can he do that? We'll take a timeout. We'll come back with more on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Oh, pleasure cruise. Pleasure cruise. Now, a sports career where things seemingly came easy as the player was surrounded by the best players, the best coaches, and caught all the breaks. Also known as Tom Brady's career. Now, back to the man with his very own language, Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
Welcome back to the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3-133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. If you would like to get in, this is the time to do it. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hello. Morning, foot. Good morning. Hanging in there, huh? Oh, I'm trying. It's really an awful morning, but I'm hoping. I mean, look, it's not impossible that the Astros could win tonight, obviously, and if they do, I guess they're not in terrible shape tied at two. But uh, And then their next, you know, they would have their two ace pitches coming up, but, boy, they got to win tonight. Or, you know, I, 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 I can't see them winning three straight, so I, I think they have to win tonight. I don't think they can hit. They don't have enough good hitters to win three straight. So right. I, 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 they got to win tonight. That's what I was calling out. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, the way this Philly team is built, I mean, the Astros can score five runs in, the, like, the first, Maybe. second, third inning, and not, like you said earlier, and not score another run uh, the rest of the game. And this Philly team can very well put a five runs like it's nothing, you know? I mean, looking back on the, the, the past couple of World Series that the Astros been in, it, 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 they, 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 uh, they lost because – they, they weren't a the better hit. hitting team. I mean, yeah, they can't the hit. Braves can hit. Yeah. And then when 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 the Washington Nationals won the World Series, Randon, I mean, had a, probably the the World Series of his life. I mean, they, they lit up the Astros. You know, I mean, it doesn't matter how good your pitching is. I mean, they got to be good in a sense. But if your pitching is, is, is shutting them out and you can't put up a single run on the on – the, on the, on the board, then, I mean, you have no chance. You know, that's kind of like, I and, and I'm not trying to, you know, bring football, but that's like, okay, let's say your defense is shutting out, but your offense can't can put up a single touchdown. I mean, so, I mean, it kind of evens it, 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 itself out, you know, but I, I agree with you. The Astros then start getting better, you know. I mean, that's the only way they're going to beat this Philly team. You know, but they uh, got to find a way in I one heard. of these two games to score like eight or nine runs and just hope that's enough. Like they've got to. They they cannot. I said it all the whole time. They cannot go to Philly and think they're going to win three to two. If you do, then it's just like a minor miracle. Like I'm not saying it's yeah. impossible. It's baseball. Anything can happen. But to expect them to win a game three to two in Philly, that's not going to happen. You you got to go right. to Philly, and in one of these games, you got to score eight or nine runs, or yeah, at least seven. I heard, I heard, I heard that uh, Yankees fan call in uh, this morning. Uh, Paul, I guess he rules from the dead. But last time I checked, uh, Yankees still weren't in the World Series, and they ain't gonna be for a long time. <laughs> you know, it's so bad that they got to pull for the the only team they basically can beat in the in the postseason, and that's the that's the Phillies. <laughs> You know, but uh, hopefully the Astros can get it together, get their hitting together, and they can bring one home for the, uh, for, for Dusty and send them off with a, with a World Series title, man. I hope, but it might a long, 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 long way to go. But hopefully they can win tonight. We'll see. Yes, sir. Have a good one. All buddy. right. Take care. I'm trying to I, – I, I'm thinking – again – Getting back to the Saints running back situation, I understand that 
they have a plan. It, it, they're not thinking, oh, we just we just don't have a running back and we're not going to try to get one. I get that. I've just, for the last, what, I, I'm 15, 16 months, whatever, I've just not quite gotten, gotten un, totally been on board with what that plan is. And, uh, and remember, the guy that I wanted was the playmaker, Kenyon Drake. Well, guess who plays for the Ravens? Boy, he better not have a big game Monday. That's if the Saints lose Monday, I'm gonna be upset as it is. But if they lose and Kenyon Drake has a big game or plays a big role, I'm uh, it's not gonna be good. It's not gonna be good. Be very, 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 very depressed. Not good at all. So hopefully that doesn't happen. That would be like the old cliche, you add insult to injury. That's that that that's what that will be. So got that to look forward to. It's also um week ten of the high school football season. It's not a humongous Thursday schedule. I think there are three games. The biggest, eh, I don't know. There's not Southside's at home. That's a stadium thing. They're playing against Sam Houston, which could be an eventful game because Sam Houston scores a lot of points, and Southside eh, they don't they don't give up very many points. So that that that'll be an interesting matchup. And by the way, you can hear that game tomorrow um, thir- Thursday tomorrow night on Mustang 107.1. Um. St. Ed's is playing at Opelousas Catholic. You know, Opelousas Catholic's on a roll. I mean, they are on a roll right now. So we do want to mention a couple of those, but we'll be talking a lot more high school football on Friday um, in the middle of, you know, hopefully not, you know, the funeral talk. Hopefully we still got, hopefully the Astros are still living come Friday morning. I don't, I wouldn't put much money on that, but it's possible. And so we'll uh, we'll we'll see how how that's gonna play down. Hopefully, the, you know. Hopefully, I can speak Friday morning. But we'll, the, that's the plan anyway. Talk a little more high school football on um, on Friday morning, and and obviously the big game this week is St. Thomas More against Lafayette Christian. First ever meeting of football between those two, and you can hear that game right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette. So, uh, And Acadiana, by the way, is playing Barb, so you can hear the Barb version of that on the game, 104, One Lake Charles uh, on Friday, or uh, Me TV FM, 97.7 FM, or 13.30 AM, or, of course, any of these on your free mobile app. So that uh that that's something to look forward to a little bit later in the week but for now we are going to you know kind of uh, as far as we talked a little bit about the NFL trade deadline in this hour and i wasn't shocked that the that the saints didn't trade someone i was a little surprised slash hoping that they would add a running back on the cheap again not somebody who they would have to give up a lot for but just a veteran running back. Apparently, the combination of Dwayne Washington 
and or a Jordan Howard maybe is enough for them. And again, I'm guessing that the reason why they feel that way is because they have Batman. The problem with that is, I don't know, they just go through stretches where they use him a lot, and then he goes through stretches where, you know, it seems like for a quarter, quarter and a half, he disappears. So, I, you know, that's all part of it. And look, the, the truth of the matter is offensive production hasn't really been the problem. Now, turnovers have been the problem. But if they eliminate the turnovers, even with all the injuries, they've produced enough offense to be a good team and to have a good record. They just they can't stop turning over on offense and their defense until the last game has been putrid. So uh, the biggest thing is, um, I don't know, sometimes I wish this was like high school football and Batman could play safety too or linebacker. Just tackle people because they need all the help they can get. All right. We'll do this. I need I need it. And, uh, it, you know, we're trying to, you know, finish up the World Series, and that'll be done in within days, maybe even as early as tomorrow. Uh, obviously, we've got a lot of football going on. But guess what starts Monday? College basketball. We'll catch up with UL women's basketball coach Gary Broadhead next. I need a little diversion. We'll do that next on the game. Stay tuned. Are you fluent in footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The cheaters. Cheaters. The famed hated rival that beat the New Orleans Saints and others so many times in the 80s and 90s by cheating. Also known as the San Francisco 49ers. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foot and Footnotes. Welcome back. To footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Before we get to our special guest, Coach Broadhead, want to remind you, the game clubhouse, you need to join by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Put you in line to maybe win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lesser Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou or a $25 gift certificate from Mabel's Kitchen, or a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. All these great prizes and others you can't win, be eligible to win, I should say, if you don't join the game clubhouse. So do so today. All right, we have with us on the game hotline UL women's basketball coach Gary Broadhead in the middle of this football and baseball. Basketball season is less than a week away from starting. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Good morning. Thanks for having me, Kev. And actually, it's starting unofficially tonight with the Cajuns playing in an exhibition game. So tell us about that matchup. Well, you know, we always like to do the exhibition. So we got Spring Hill coming in, and they, you know, it's one of the teams that we usually bring in. And uh, don't know a lot about them. I mean, they got a lot of freshmen on their team this year. They're they're fairly young. They haven't played yet. So. Uh, it's going to be something that we're just more working on ourselves, seeing what we're doing, uh, you know, what we're doing right, what we need to do uh, to fix things before Monday when we get really started. So, yeah, we're kind of excited about, you know, we always say that, you know, those exhibitions are kind of the first for our youngsters. And, you know, we got a lot of uh, non-returners or people that hadn't, you know, seen a lot of playing time so they can help them to 
to kind of get under the lights with the referees and the clock and all the fun stuff. So tonight's game starts at 6? Yes, sir, 6 o'clock. 6 at the Cajun Dome. And then on Monday, your season opener is at 5 o'clock against Houston. And and I've commented before, you know, one of the things fans and, and media members even like to comment about a lot is schedules. And, man, you, you, you normally play a really good schedule, and it starts Monday with Houston. Yeah, you know, I think scheduling is probably the second most important thing to recruiting. You know, you got to be able to schedule that matches your team, you know. And, uh, you know, when you do a schedule ahead of time, you kind of hope you stay healthy, uh, especially at the beginning of the season, to be able to play some of these big schools like Texas that have been ranked number three in the country. Uh, you know, Houston is a really good team getting ready to move into the Big 12. And, you know, you got uh, Colorado, which is, you know, their RPI or their net is really high. And then, you know, you saw what Jackson State did with LSU last year. And then, you know, you got Texas Tech coming in. So, you know, you, you, it's going to be tough, you know. It's going to be tough. But, you know, you're trying to prepare your team for conference. Uh, you know, the conference will be tougher. So we went out and we just decided to, to you know, to lay it out on the line and see where how we measured up to some of the better teams. You know, a lot of times we look at, at coaches and athletes and, and, and it's easy to be critical. And, and one of my old theories, really a pro sports theory, is that to us, they're kind of like robots. Like we don't think about the fact that they're people and they have families and diseases and you know all kind of things going wrong. And the the human side of the game sometimes gets overlooked. But you know when you when we talk about losing Brandy Williams for a second straight year to a knee injury, um, you know that that had to be tough for y'all team. Yeah, it's tough, you know, and, you know, just on down the line, you know, I look at the 10 years and going on the 11th year that we've been here and how many injuries that could have made a whole lot of difference, you know, from the Keel Willwich and Kiki Veals, uh, I mean, on down the line, missing 17 games a year. And, you know, Ty said for three years, she she was banged up, that couldn't practice. And, you know, so it happens, you know, it's just – I don't know. I, I, I was thinking about it. You know, you kind of look at the men's side too. Is is it the floor? Is it what? I mean, I don't know what it is, but you know, we've been stake bitten when when it comes to injuries. You know, and and then the worst thing is to try to get them to come back. You know, I mean, I understand injuries, but you know, the length it takes them to come back and all that. I, I just I haven't been around that in high school. I didn't have that problem. Actually, in AU, I never. And I'm, I mean, I had some quality athletes. It's just. Uh, I don't know. I think maybe this day and age, they play so much before they come to us that their bodies aren't, uh, you know, um, you know, especially on the women's side, maybe just, you know, kind of wearing out the knees and all. I can't figure it out. But and you no. know, you talk to a lot of coaches when we had our uh, media day that they they were complaining about the same thing is you know keep staying healthy, and so that's the key. Whoever stays healthy and has their best players available uh, usually win the conference. I remember years ago there was some talk. And, and you may know a whole lot more about this, about that for whatever reason in basketball, that girls were more likely to have knee injuries than guys. Have you, have you, is that seem logical? I remember hearing that theory anyway. No, it, it's, it's, it's very, very true. You know, I see it, you know, just the way, the way they're built and all that, uh, the way they engage their hamstrings. I've been blessed to be around a lot of good trainers and doctors that have evaluated men and women and the differences 
in the basketball sport, uh, not not really the other sports, but in basketball. And a lot of times when we land, our women land, they don't engage their hamstrings like a guy would. Uh, and I think it's because of the way they built. And so that creates some movement or opportunity to and, – and, and a lot of our uh, knee injuries come from non-contact, which is crazy. You know, Brandy's was non-contact. I know they had somebody around her, but, I mean, they didn't push her or come from behind or, you know, it's, I, I, I mean, I, I can think of four kids that since we've been here that had non-contact ACLs. And it's just crazy. So, yeah, and I think I think we're seeing more and more of these kids that are coming to us. They don't really practice AAU as much. They are just playing. I mean, sometimes, you know, five and six games a weekend, and that's a lot for a kid, you know, especially on the women's side. So I think that's kind of part of what's happening, you know. It's like uh, their bodies are being pushed uh, and they're not being prepared. All right, we're speaking with UL women's basketball coach Gary Burnhead. All right, the, uh, before we, I ask you about a few players, I've all, I'm always interested how the kind of the coaching goes on behind the scenes. You, you you've revealed that Coach Deacon Jones, who in the past has been kind of in charge of the defense, is in charge of the offense, and you and a, you and a new assistant coach is in charge of the defense, and so. How, how could that change things? That 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 seems like it's got a lot of potential intrigue there. Yeah, it's exciting, man. I, for me, it's exciting, you know, because I get to evaluate every day and see it every day. And you know, Deacon, Coach Deacon, brings something back to us. I think that matches up with our defenses. Um, his offense is pretty basic, but it matches up really, really well with uh, what we're trying to do defensively. Uh, in possessions and on down on down the line, turnovers are a big thing for our defense, even though it's on the offensive side that it happens when we turn the ball over. So I think you're going to see a ver- uh, the system being more matched up, you know, and we're not really just trying to, uh, you know, really try to score every, I mean, every time down in a, in a, in a break. We'll take advantage of it, and we feel – that we have that point guard that can kind of do that for us. You know, she's really good. And then on the defensive side, Coach Sanders, you know, she comes from, you know, she played at Southern. She, you know, she coached at Southern Southeastern University of California. So she's learned some different ways, but she's coaching the defense the same as us, you know, man-to-man. She believes in forcing the ball sideline, no middles, uh, really, really – the thing that I think she brings a little bit more than what we had in myself and Deacon was uh, she's got them talking more. And to me, that brings a deep, you know, man, your defense gets so much better when you communicate. And, and uh, I see that already in the little bit of time she's been here. And so that's kind of exciting. So, yeah, I think you're going to see the same brand. We, I mean, we're playing hard. I mean, in practice, we're playing as hard as we've ever practiced. I know we're going to play that. And the scrimmage the other day, I felt it was the same way. So, you know, as a fan, you want to see that, you know, especially, uh, you know, being here, you know, for 10 years and stuff like that and to have that opportunity to have some good coaches or great coaches uh, to kind of to kind of bring that energy and stuff. So it's been it's, it's really been exciting to have that. You have some new front court players. I'm excited to see those. How much op- – what is the offensive ceiling from your new inside players? Uh, 
you know, we got one of them. You know, Mariah Stewart, she's very, very agile. You're going to like her. You know, she's got some size to her uh, strength and all that. But uh, she's got that uh, up and under type of hook shots and just uh, very, very – you're going to look at her and you're going to say, well, coach is not – coach is not – He's not telling the truth, but when she's going to start to move and see around the goal and how agile she is, I, I still need to get her to use the backboard a little bit more. She's like to come over the front of the rim and some of that kind of stuff, finger rolls and all that. But she's going to be, she's going to be one that can really score. You know, uh, you know, we, we all, you know, Ren Car Ren comes in as a really really good defensive player. She's got a little bit better offensively, but she's not that offensive threat that. Mariah is, and you know we got uh, Wilney Joseph. That's the six-five kid. Uh, I'll tell you what, she's improved a lot, but she still needs some work, you know, on the, on the offensive side. Uh, I know everybody's been asking me, can you put the ball back? Yes, and she's starting to use the backboard more. But I think we still have some work with her uh, offensively and defensively. But man, we've been, you know, uh, Coach Sanders is in charge of the hybrids and the post, and she's been doing a great job with her. So. It's coming along, you know. We just kind of hoping maybe by the time we get to conference, we see some, you know, enough improvement to really that uh, we can see some scoring from them. All right, one more question, Coach Lene Wheaton, especially with Brandy being out now, like she could have a really special season. It seems like offensively, points wise, statistics wise, what's her ceiling as as a point scorer? Do you think this season? You know, I think she that's that's what she is. She's such an offensive threat. You know, I was noticing in practice the last couple of days how some of the moves are unorthodox. Like she'll let go of the ball like she's going up for a shot and uh and makes the defense react when she doesn't even have the ball in her hands. I mean I my I told her that yesterday. I was like, Man, I wish I'd have known that move when I played. Because, man, that's I mean, it's hard to guard because it it looks like she's She's jump stopping and she's doing all kind of footwork and she's not. And then all of a sudden she goes right by you. So she, yeah, she can score. She can shoot it. She's improved her three point shooting. You know, I don't know how consistent it's going to be yet, but it's better. Um, so I think she's going to bring a lot. You know, that Brandy's out. You know, she's a third team all all conference player. They saw that last year in a conference tournament. She made you know the tournament all tournament team and stuff. So. She brings a lot. She's got to get better defensively, though. She's better, but she's not where we want her to be. And it's more of a mental thing for her. Physically, she's strong as anybody. She's she's built like Brandy. She's very strong, very athletic, very quick. Doesn't look it like it, but she is, you know. And I think what's going to help her, we got Nubia Bennett that from Florida that came in late, and she's coming in as a sophomore from North Florida. Uh, she's just solid. You know, she's – you're not going to get a ton, a ton of scoring, but in this in this scrimmage, she was six for seven, uh, you know, from the field, made a couple of threes. You know, she she, she kind of built and kind of the same type of game, uh, player as Lene. So we're kind of hoping that both of them can kind of can kind of replace some of, of Brandy's scoring. You know, and uh, we'll see. You know, I, I think our biggest thing is going to be Destiny Rice. Can she stay healthy? And she's going to run the show. She'll find the scorers. She, I promise you. Somebody will step up. You know, Tamara Johnson's got so much potential uh, coming back, and just a big improvement in what she's doing. You know, nobody's talking about Sherry Porter. She's a transfer from Western Kentucky. So we got some, you know, we got some weapons. You know, it's just how we put it together, and you know, we're hoping to put it together before we get into conference. Because 
you know, even the non-conference games, they're going to be tough, man. You know, you're playing number three team in the country. You got Auburn, you know, you got – and you're on the road. I think we're on the road for uh, – it seems like forever. So, it makes it a little bit tougher. But, you know, hey, hopefully we'll make them better and, you know, get in the conference and hopefully try to make a run. All righty, Coach. Um, Six o'clock tonight, Cajun Dome exhibition game against Spring Hill season opener five, fr- Monday at 5 o'clock right before the men against Houston. So good luck to you. We appreciate it. Thank you, sir. All right. Thanks, Cap. Appreciate you, man. Go Cajuns. Take care. UL women's basketball coach Gary Broadhill. We'll be back after this timeout. Finish out today's show. Astro Wake version of footnotes on the game. Kevin Foote. An award-winning journalist, popular sports talk show host, and a man who apparently moonlights as a doctor. A medicine season of a different strand in 12, obviously, because the criminal commissioner decided to inflict them with with the, the whole bounty gate silliness. His descriptions of illnesses are extremely concise. Not a normal strand of a medicine season. It was a different strand. This out of the blue from Timbuktu and all of this bounty gate silliness. Dr. Foote is ready to write a prescription for what ails your favorite team here with more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. All righty. Again, we um, game four tonight. We'll see if the Astros with Christian Javier can, we'll see if they can score some runs. We'll see if they can get back in the series and tie it at two. And if they do, you know, you'll feel like it's a three-game series. And theoretically, even though, you know, you could actually argue that maybe um, Jose Arquiti has a better chance of winning a game than Justin Verlander. I don't know. I've heard that argument. Maybe it's true. But theoretically, if you win tonight, it's 2-2, and you have your ace, even though he's not your best pitcher, pitching tomorrow, and then you have Framber that could pitch in game six in Houston on Saturday. But, again, you got to get to your best pitcher in game six. You got to win a game. If they don't win any games, Framber's done. That great performance that he had in game two, that's it. And so they got to find a way to win one game in Philly. And it's not that the Astros are this great home team is the problem. Phillies right now are a great home team. Astros are an okay home team for a really good club. But normally they're actually a better road team. But their road prowess... Didn't show up last night. And Phillies, man, we really, really like playing at home. Did show up. So we'll see what happens tonight. It's baseball. Things can change dramatically in one day. No question about that. Now, I got to say, though, they've been people have been talking about the Philly fans, the Philly fans, the Philly fans. The Seattle fans were more impressive to me than the Philly fans. There were a lot of quiet moments last night. I, I don't really think the fans played a big role in, in, in what happened, unless somehow that was what rattled McCullers into tipping his pitches. But uh, it, was a, it was more quiet than I thought it was going to be, to be honest, last night. So we'll see if they can find a way to get some base hits. It's going to be a long, 
agonizing day. Hope you'll have a better one than me.